truth is, relationships, people, are the number one cause of pain in our life. How many know that to be true? <laughs> it's, it is. People and relationships, they, it causes pain, emotional pain that goes beyond physical pain. But the irony of that is it's the number one way that God heals us from that pain is through people. So people cause pain, God uses people to heal us from pain. He uses relationships. We were created for relationships. And I believe with all my heart that how we handle relationships and how, what the, the condition of our relationships is a direct window into our relationship with God. That you want to know how my relationship with God is, how am I with people? How am I in my key relationships in life? Relationships dictate the quality of life that we have. From our family, our workplace, church, our neighborhoods, where we live, what we've been called to do. Relationships are a big deal. And the people in our lives, you've probably found this to be true, right? The people in our lives can be the biggest spiritual and emotional help to us. And they can also be the biggest spiritual and emotional hindrance to us at the same time. It can become toxic. And we're in a series called Detox. And the first week we talked about overcoming toxic thoughts. And then Brian talked about overcoming toxic influences. Today we're going to talk about overcoming toxic relationships. And the definition of toxic that we're kind of has our working definition is it's anything containing poisonous materials capable of causing sickness or death. And we're not talking about the physical kind of toxicity. We're talking about spiritual and emotional toxicity that can can ruin our lives. So today we're going to talk about overcoming toxic relationships. We're going to talk about what is a toxic relationship and what does the scripture teach about how we can overcome toxic relationships. I'll tell you a story. There was a guy, a man, he had a daughter. She grew up to be this beautiful young lady. And one day she comes to him with those dreaded words that every father of a daughter is, doesn't want to hear. Hey, Dad, I've met the man of my dreams, and I want to marry him. Wah, 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 right? <laughs> hey, I'm a dad of daughters, so dads of daughters, you know what I'm talking about. And it's just one of those things. That's your baby girl, right? And you've seen her grow. And who's actually good enough for my daughter? I'm sure that's what this dad is thinking. So he says, well, sweetheart, um, I need to meet this guy. I haven't even met him before. You can't just get married without me meeting him. She says, Dad, I love you, and that's what I love about you. I've set up uh, an appointment, an interview for you to meet with him tomorrow at 3 o'clock. He says, good. Thank you for doing that, sweetheart. So the next day rolls around. It's 3 in the afternoon. Knock on the door. He opens the door. He says, hello, sir. Uh, my name is Jimmy, and I'd like to marry your daughter. He says, okay. Um, well, I've raised my daughter to, in the ways of God, and I've raised her to, to, to find the right guy. Can we sit down and have a conversation? Can I ask some deep questions about you? Would you be open to that? And uh, the boy says, you bet. I have no secrets to hide, sir. My life's an open book. Ask me whatever you want. So he says, he says okay. They sit on the bench on the front porch, and he says, son, he says, uh, what do you do for a living? Do you have a job? 
And he says, well, I don't, sir. I don't have a job. I don't have a career. Um, but you know what? I'm believing and trusting that God will provide. And he stops for a second and he thinks, okay, we're Christians. I do know God provides. I'll give him a pass on that one. So he asks another question. He says, well, do you have any assets? Do you have any money? Do you have a bank account? Do you have some stocks, some bonds? I, I want to know that you're going to be able to provide for, for my daughter. It's really important for me as, as her father. And he says, well, sir, no, I don't have any of those things. I don't have a bank account. I have no assets. I don't have anything. But I know God will provide. He says, wow, okay. Let me ask you another question. Do you have aspirations? Do you have dreams? Do you have goals? Do you have a plan for your life? And the young man says, you guessed it. He says, no, I, I don't have any of those things. But God will provide. So the young man leaves. They finish their talk. And the dad's, the wife comes out. And he's sitting swinging on the front porch just kind of staring off into space going, what in the world is going on here? And she says, honey, what, what happened in your conversation with our future son-in-law? What's he like? Do you, are, are, you, are you impressed? And he says, well, I, I got some good news and I got some bad news. She's like, oh, no. Well, give me the bad news first. So he says, well, the bad news is he doesn't have a job. He has no career. He has no money. No assets, no stocks, no bonds. And he doesn't even have aspirations or dreams for what he wants to do with his life. And she's like, wow, that's no good. Well, give me the good news then. And he says, well, the good news is he doesn't have all those things, but he thinks I'm God. Every toxic relationship begins with someone looking to you to be God in their life. Every toxic relationship has this, someone's trying to play God in your life or you're trying to play God in their life. That's the number one thing that every toxic relationships have. And I want you to think this morning, who is the person in your life right now that you feel, man, I, there's some toxicity in our relationship. We need help in this relationship. If they're sitting next to you, don't elbow them right now. But work it out later. But if, I want you to think about those toxic relationships as we unpack God's word and his principles for having good relationships and overcoming the toxic relationships in our life. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Paul says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Corrupts. It brings toxic stuff into our character. When we are in a toxic relationship or a relationship that is bad company, it creates corruption in our character. We don't become the people that God wants us to be. God wants each one of us in this room to glorify him. He wants us to glorify him by us experiencing true spiritual health. He wants us to glorify him by us experiencing true joy, 
good character, where our lives are morphed and changed into the image of Jesus and that we would experience a life of peace and joy. And how many know toxic relationships rip all that off out of your life, rip it out of your life? And so God wants us to have healthy relationships. So if today you're in a toxic relationship or maybe you look in your past and you think, I'm still reeling a little bit from a toxic relationship, God's going to give you some principles this morning on how to overcome toxic relationships. So let's talk about that. First thing I would tell you is this. If you're going to overcome a toxic relationship, you need to identify the ingredients and effects of toxic relationships. We need to identify those ingredients and those effects. First thing I would tell you under that, the first bullet point is this, is an effect of toxic relationships is toxic relationships often bind us to our past and cause us not to live in our new identities. You can write that down. Toxic relationships bind us to our past and then we don't live in the new identity of who we now are in Jesus Christ and who he's called us to be. The question to ask yourself is, is somebody leading you to your past, your life prior to Christ? Is it leading you back to destructive behavior? Is it leading you to behavior that's not fitting for someone that's following Jesus? Is it leading you to attitudes and all these things that don't go with who the Bible says we are in Jesus. The Bible says that we have a new identity, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. We're new creatures, we're new creations in Christ. And so toxic relationships cause us to not live out who we are now in Christ. Causes us to go backwards in our walks rather than forward in our walks. Second thing I would tell you is this. Toxic relationships block us from our destinies. There's a destiny that God has for us, a purpose, a plan that he's laid out for us to find and live in our lives, and it comes through a relationship with Jesus. Toxic relationships block that. Jesus, as his uh, you know, fame was, was growing, he asked his disciples one day, because he'd been doing miracles and people were following him, and, and he asked his disciples one day, who do the people say I am? And they said, well, you're a prophet, you're John the Baptist, etc." And he points to them and he says, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God, the one we've been waiting for. And Jesus says, good answer. He says, Peter, that wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood. You didn't come to this conclusion on your own. My Father in heaven revealed this to you supernaturally. Seconds later, a verse, couple verses later, Jesus goes on to tell his disciples, I'm going to have to go and suffer at the hands of the religious the, uh, in the Romans. And I'm going to suffer and die on a cross and be raised on the third day. Well, Peter, who just got this revelation, what does he say? He says, nope, not on my watch. That's not going to happen to you, Jesus. I'll go to death for you. And look what Jesus says to him. He turned to him and he said, get away from me, Satan. You're a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. In other words, he was looking at Peter and he was saying, don't tempt me 
to get stray from, from the calling that God has for me. Don't tempt me to get off the path that God has laid before me. Here's a question to ask yourself this morning. Who in your life is tempting you to stray from God's calling and purpose on your life? Don't do it. Don't do it. It's toxic. Third thing uh, that would be an effect and ingredient of a toxic relationship is toxic relationships entice us to go our own way. Proverbs says, my child, if sinners entice you, turn your back on them. My child, don't go along with them. Stay far away from their paths. I know some of us in this room, you're in a relationship or entertaining relationships where you're being enticed to disobey God. You're being enticed to go your own way. Maybe it's a business deal. And in your business ethics, somebody is, is tempting you and enticing you, a toxic relationship. Hey, we need to make a profit so bad, let's cheat, let's lie, let's deceit, let's take a, a shortcut to get to where God, to get to where we want to be, not, and get you to disobey God in that. Maybe it's just a, a sexual immorality to somebody's tempting you, enticing you to not walk in sexual purity. To, to be sexually active outside of a marriage covenant. One man, one woman in the covenant of marriage. And, God, and you're being enticed to, to go beyond that somehow, some way. Don't fall for that. That's toxic. God's ways are always the best ways. And when he lays out a plan or a command for us, it's because he loves us and he knows what's best for us always important that we remember why God tells us to do something or not to do it. It's for our good. And then toxic relationships, they don't give life, they rob life. They rob us from our real life. Jesus talking about Satan said the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I was reading this week and looking, I looked up, you know, the biggest, like, toxic waste spills and different things that have happened. And it, it reminded me, I remember I was a senior in high school. I'm dating myself here. But if you remember the, the Chernobyl accident that happened in Russia, it was April of 1986. Biggest nuclear waste disaster that, that you know, we've known in our time. And Chernobyl was a crazy place because it was, it was this place where obviously the... All the nuclear power and things were being built. And they built like this community for that area. And they, they had like an amusement park for their workers and apartments. And they were really trying to make this kind of like, you know, a, a great place to work and live. And so after the accident happened April of 1986 and everything went toxic and everybody had to get rushed out of there, um, they're still feeling the effects of this. You know, 30 years later, the cancer rate and all kinds of things over in that area. And there's pictures today of people that you can go on a, a tour and, and, and tour what happened over there. And you see these old abandoned things that were built to look really cool. It was like something I lost or something. <laughs> it was built to be really cool, but it was abandoned. And I got to, and they've actually built a dome to try to protect the toxins from getting out over the years, and the thought hit me. That's what many of us do. We've been hurt by toxic relationships. And you've built a dome over your heart where you're not gonna let anyone in and, and nothing's gonna get out. And you know what you need more than anything? You need God's healing power 
to come into your heart and into your life and remove those toxins and allow him to heal you. Life hurts, God heals. And God wants to remove that so that you become, you're not still reeling from toxic relationships and things that have happened in the past, that you become the person that he wants you to be in the future in your future relationships. Second thing I would tell you about overcoming toxic relationships is this. Set God-honoring boundaries. If you're going to learn how to overcome toxic relationships or you're in one, you need to set God-honoring boundaries. We're told in Proverbs 4.23, and I would encourage you, if you've never memorized this verse of Scripture, memorize this verse this week. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Your heart determines the course and quality of your life. What does it mean when he says heart? That's an important word to understand. It's not my heart that's pumping blood through my body right now. The heart is the seat of emotions. It's the seat of my feelings. It's, it's where I get my values. It's, it's what I cherish. It's where, what I cherish lives and what I'm passionate about. And he says guard that. With all you have, guard your heart because your feelings, your thoughts, your values, what you cherish is going to determine the course of your life. So when you think of a boundary and you think of boundaries in relationships, think of like a property line. We own a home and the city we live in has mapped out what is our little property line in our area. And so within our property boundaries, if my plumbing goes bad... I'm responsible to fix my plumbing. I don't go to my neighbor and say, hey, dude, my plumbing's out. Will you fix? You got to come help me out with this. No, it's, it's my responsibility to do that. And it's, if you think of a boundary, think of it as it's your space. It's your responsibility area. It's your space and your responsibility area. Here's what I would challenge you with. You and I need to learn how to not let people violate those boundaries. We need to learn how to do it. We all are in process. But the more you can learn how to not let people violate that space in your responsibility, the healthier you will be. The way we understand boundaries, you need to understand two words. You can write this down. Grace and truth. You need grace and truth to set healthy boundaries in every relationship. Jesus, it says of Jesus in John 1 that he came in grace and truth. Well, what is, what is, what is grace? Grace brings safety into a relationship. It's the safety that we need to have a real, good, healthy relationship. Whether it's marriage, whether it's friendship, whether it's work, whatever relationship it is, we need grace. And what is grace? When we talk about God's grace, grace means that God loves me just as I am. That God can't love me any more or any less than he does. He loves me as I am. He loves you as you are. That's grace. Now, none of us can love like God, but we can certainly ask for his help to have grace in our relationships, to give safety to one another in our relationships to, yeah, maybe fail or, or grow or, or, or and repent and make mistakes. We all need that safety. What does truth provide? Truth provides structure. Just like a property line sometimes has a fence around it. That brings structure. Don't go past this area. That's what a fence does. Well, we need truth sometimes. And we need to speak the truth in love to one another. We need truth in our lives. We need, we need the freedom to say no when it's appropriate to say no. 
If you're in any kind of relationship where you don't feel free to say no when it's appropriate to say no, you're in a toxic relationship. And you need to let God do something about it. And you need to set a boundary in your relationship. There's two really classic situations where people don't understand boundaries. And it's again, it comes back to playing God. The, the playing God in somebody's life, trying to be God for them, or looking to someone to be your God, is always going to create a toxic relationship. And two of them I would tell you is this. The first one would be someone who's out of control. Someone who's got an addiction or they have an impulsive behavior. They make impulsive choices or they have addicted behavior. And it feels out of control. And the temptation for anyone that's in a relationship like that is you want to make them stop. You want to control them. And or you'll do whatever it takes to try to, to try to not let them have consequences. And then you become an enabler. You enable more and more bad behavior in their life by you trying to stop this in their life. The second situation, though, is similar, and it's when somebody's trying to control you. They're trying, you're trying to play God in, in, the, in the person's life in the first situation. Someone's trying to control you and play God in your life. And people manipulate in two ways, usually. Through anger and guilt. If they want to manipulate you, they'll blow up and get angry and make threats and think that my anger will cause you to do what I want you to do. And if the anger doesn't work, sometimes people will, instead of expressing their hurt through anger... They'll express their hurt through guilt that make you feel guilty. You know what it is. If you really loved me, you would fill in the blank, right? If you really cared about me, you would do this for me. It's the guy who has the, the mom who lives in Florida, and they go see mom every summer for summer vacation. And this year, they got free tickets to go to Six Flags over Texas. And they call and say, hey, Mom, this year, instead of coming and seeing you, uh, we're going to go to Texas. We still love you, Mom, and it's got nothing to do with you. She's on the other end of the phone. Oh, honey, I understand. You can't come see your little old mom this year, right? I guess I'll be okay all alone by myself, and you're five states away from me. You can't come see me. You guys, you're laughing because maybe you have that situation. But... Um, what happens is, and whatever it is, we're manipulating someone to do what we want them to do through guilt. And what happens in all those situations, whether someone's out of control or someone's trying to control you, what's happening is there's a blocked goal. We all have a goal of where we want to be, what we want to do with our life, how we expect life to go. And people block those goals by not cooperating. And so if your, your goals depend upon another human being cooperating with you, guess what? You're setting yourself up for frustration and anger and all the things that come with that. I would tell you this, you need a new goal. If you have someone out of control in your life, stop trying to change them. And start setting a goal, Lord, change me. Change my response. Help me to see this person through your eyes. Help me to, to unconditionally love. Help me to speak the truth in love when I need, and help me to have the right boundaries. Those are goals that you can, can control. But if you have a goal that's dependent upon somebody stop doing something or to do something, that's up to them. And God doesn't make people do what they don't want to do. 
If you have a, a situation where someone's trying to control you, again, you have a blocked goal. Set a new goal. Third thing I would tell you is this. We need to understand the difference between helping someone and doing for someone. If I'm going to overcome toxic relationships, I need to understand the difference between helping someone and doing for someone. Now, I'm going to read from Galatians chapter 6, and I only provided the first two verses on accident. I'm going to keep reading. So after you see what's on the screen, tune in with your ears, okay? He says this, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore them gently. But watch yourself, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens. That's key. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Now listen. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. For each one should carry his own load. Burdens and load. I want you to hear that. Carry one another's burdens, but carry your own load. What does that mean? The Greek word for burden is the same word that we have for weight, that they would have had for weight. Or if you can picture, it's like a boulder, a big, huge landscaping rock that someone would need help moving and carrying. What would be a burden or a boulder in life? Well, I would say divorce. You have somebody who's going through a divorce, that's a burden they're going to need help carrying. Someone has a health crisis, going to need help through that. Someone has a financial crisis. They're going to need help carrying that burden. And we're called to carry one another's burdens. That's helping somebody. But he says, each one should carry their own load. And the word for load there, if you can picture a backpack, it's your knapsack, your backpack. Uh, Seth and several guys like to camp, uh, uh, go backpacking and camping in here. I know there's a backpack trip coming up. And now that I said that from the pulpit, I'm probably getting roped into going on that for sure. But um, I'll get there. But can you imagine, Seth, you guys show up and there's 10 guys to go backpacking and the expectation is for Seth to carry everybody's backpack? And Seth's going to say, I don't think that's the way it works. Whatever you put in your pack, you carry, Jack. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's, you get to carry your own backpack. He's not going to carry everybody's backpacks for them. Now, if you get to your campsite and you need to move a boulder to make a correct campsite, you carry one another's burdens or you carry a cooler together. But you're not carrying each other's backpacks. Keep that in your mind. So what's in your backpack? What is your own load that you and I are supposed to carry ourselves? Go back to Proverbs 4.23. Guard your heart. The things that are in your heart is what's in your, if you will, imaginary backpack right now. It's your feelings, your thoughts, your values, your passions, the things that you cherish. That's what you're supposed to guard and carry in your life. Relationships are going to be good when we help carry each other's burdens. When we can help carry those burdens, those things that people need help with, when we do that, They'll be healthy. But when you and I, it'll, it'll become toxic in our relationships when you and I try to fix what's in somebody else's pack. 
You can't fix somebody else's feelings. You can't fix their values. You don't have the power to make someone happy. Only God does, does that. Don't try to play God in somebody's life. You're trying to carry their load for them. It's impossible and it's going to create a toxicity in your relationships. We can't do that. You ever tried to make a miserable person happy? How's that working for you? <laughs> it doesn't work. We can't make people happy. We can't undepress somebody. Almighty God only has that power to do that. The Holy Spirit has the power to change someone's attitude, to change someone's approach to life, to change their perspective. The Word of God and the Holy Spirit have that power to do it. You and I don't. So we got to stop trying to, to carry people's loads. We carry one another's burdens. That's important. That's the difference between loving someone and rescuing them. We're, we can't rescue anybody. We're called to love. And you know, a good question to ask yourself is, am I trying to carry someone's burden or am I trying to carry their load? Ask yourself this question. Should they be doing this for themselves? If you ask yourself that question, should they be doing this for themselves, that'll give you the right response of whether you should, you should help or not. It's a good kind of gauge for that. Last thing I would tell you is this. If you're going to overcome toxic relationships, you might need to do this. Separate yourself from relationships that will not help you grow in the Lord. Separate yourself from relationships that will not help you grow in the Lord. Now, if somebody's in a difficult marriage situation, listen, you're in a covenant before Almighty God, and God wants you to keep that covenant and keep loving and caring for that person. And I get it that, you know, it's easy to think, you know, do I get out of this? Or what are we saying here? No, that's not what we're talking about here. But there are relationships that you have to have those boundaries, and you have to know when do I separate from this person that's not helping me grow in the Lord. Now, I want to read to you, I'm gonna, before we put the verse up on the screen, I want to read to you from the NIV, 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Paul says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Now, when he says this word, unequally yoked, you got to picture the farming illustration of two animals yoked together, plowing a field, pulling the plow, and they're, they're yoked together to do that work together. In Deuteronomy 22, verse 10, Moses instructs the children of Israel, he says, don't plow with an ox and a donkey to get yoked together. And it's really a picture that we're supposed to have of what Paul's talking about here. And why would he tell them to do that? There's many, you know, symbolisms and all this other stuff. But from a practical point of view, an ox has a completely different nature than a donkey. Donkeys want to do what donkeys want to do. And they're going to go, so you got pulling in two different directions. You're trying to do a work, it's just not going to happen. You're pulling in two separate, opposite directions. Now look what one of the more modern translations says about this same verse. Stop forming inappropriate relationships with unbelievers. I like that. Can right and wrong be partners? Can light have anything in common with darkness? It's important that 
we ask ourselves, what does that mean and what does that not mean? What does it mean and what does it not mean? First of all, this does not mean that you and I are to, to not have relationships with unbelievers. It could be, that's the furthest thing from what we see in our call as Christians to love and care for and influence this world around us. We've been called to build relationships with people who don't need, know Jesus intentionally so that they will come to know Jesus and that they will experience the gospel and experience the transforming power. Make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That's our calling to be salt and light. We're to see ourselves living intentionally, building relationships with people who don't know Jesus. What this command, what this warning is really means is this. It's not good for you and I or wise for you and I to have our deepest relationships with people who are going in a different direction in life. Our deepest relationships with people who are, are, have a different perspective of life, a different approach to life. You're living for God's glory. Somebody else is living for themselves. You want to put Christ in the center of your life? They want to be the center of their life. Man, does this not apply for all dating relationships in here or people potentially wanting to be married? Man, this is so important for you. The number one question, if you're a follower of Jesus, that you should ask yourself is, would marrying this person or dating this person draw me closer to Jesus or away from Jesus? And when you ask yourself that question, you're not basing it on your feelings. You're not basing it on someone's good looks or they're good looking or whatever feelings you get. You're basing it upon your discipleship to Jesus. That's so important that we understand that. Now, there, Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 7 that there are people who, who got married before they were believers. And then they became a believer afterwards and they're, you know unequally yoked or what you know how, how you want to word, word that and he says you don't leave that person you love that person and you model what Jesus looks like to that person win them over don't leave them love them stay work it out you don't know what your influence is going to do in somebody's life so, so it's important that you understand that I mean and I get it there are marriages where where People are, somebody's farther along in their process of discipleship to Jesus than somebody else. That's not what I'm talking about in here. Please don't misunderstand that. We're talking about intentionally building the deepest relationships we have with someone who's not going in the same direction that you are. If you're married to someone that's, that's not a believer, you're in. It's you made a decision, and God wants you to stay and continue and have a great go on and have, have a great marriage together. That goes for the business world. If you are going into partnership with someone who doesn't have the same priorities that you do in centering your life around Jesus, might not be the wisest thing. You're going to need some counsel. You're going to need the Holy Spirit, and you're going to need wisdom in that. So what we need is we need to identify the effects of toxic relationships. You can do that in your life. You need to set God-honoring boundaries in all your relationships. You need to understand the difference between helping someone and doing for them, carrying their burdens, help carrying their burdens versus trying to carry their load. And then build relationships that help you grow in Christ. So I'll conclude with this, this question for you. 
Who do you need to stop playing God to? Maybe you're married to an unbeliever and you're trying to play God in their life. It's the Holy Spirit's job to draw people. You model Jesus and love and live your life, but who, do you, who are you trying to, trying to parent in a way that manipulates them to do what you want them to do? Maybe who's playing God in your life? And I can tell you this, without a doubt, the number one way you detox all your relationships, the number one way you do that is when you put God in his rightful place, that he's the center of your life, that you're gonna obey him and follow him no matter what. And you're gonna put him there. And, and then re, I'm gonna repent from playing God in other people's lives and trying to control them. I'm gonna repent from allowing someone else to try to be, you know, looking to someone else to be God in my life. A right relationship with God will cure and detox your relationships. He'll give you the tools that you need for relationships. Here's what I know to be true about every single one of us in this room. Whether I know you or not, I know this to be true about you. You need the gospel. You need the grace of God. I need it every day. Every person in this room needs the gospel. We all have in common a shared brokenness. That's what unites us more than, 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 than believing perfectly all the right things. It's that brokenness that brings us together to say, you know what, I'm in need of Jesus. And that brings us and binds us together. And the more you recognize that, the less you'll stop judging and being critical of other people around you. And you realize, man, I need Jesus. We need Jesus corporately together. If you've never put your faith and hope in God, how you do it is you look to the cross. Jesus came as a man. God became flesh. He lived a perfect life. And he died a brutal death to pay for our sins, to be our substitute. And he rose from the dead on the third day. And whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved when you put your faith and hope in what he did for you. Then he begins to change you. The Holy Spirit comes in and makes you new. And so today, if you've never put your faith and hope in him, today's the day. Don't put it off. He promises eternal life to us that will put our faith and hope in him. We don't have to, to go to hell and be separate from him for all eternity if we reject him. But if we put our hope in him, we get him for, for now in this life and all the life to come. If you've never done that, put your hope in him today. In a minute, we're going to have some people up here that are going to be ready to pray with you. Maybe you have questions and you're going, I don't know if I'm, if I'm ready for eternity or understanding all this. They can help you understand that and pray with you. Help, help you on your way. That's what we're here for. So would you stand with me? I want to pray. Father, we need you. We need your love. We need your grace. We're a needy people. And God, your desire is that we don't walk in toxic relationships, but we walk in right relationship with you and that that flows over into all of our other relationships. So, Lord, you've put your finger and identified some things in our lives today where it's toxic. Don't let us stay there. 
Don't let us just stay in, in a, a moment of conviction and go, oh, that, that kind of hurts, that's true, and just stay the same. Lord, we want to be different. We want to change. We want to turn and repent from those wrong attitudes and wrong approach to relationships. We want to detox from that, Lord, and have healthy relationships. So, Lord, we know and recognize and humble ourselves that we can only have that as we anchor ourselves deeper in your love and your grace. Let that flow out in all of our relationships, God. In Jesus' name, amen.